0: The Lord be with you, and also with you. The word became flesh and dwells among us. Glory to God, in the highest, and peace to God's people. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west, and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south, and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here and now, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship, this Christmastide service is offered in the praise of God for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. On this day, this special holy day, we remember the words of Colossians, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. We welcome you, new friends and old, Bob and Mary, Rick and Paula, new friends and old to this service of worship today. As we are able, May we stand to sing and stand in the praise of God. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
1: A lesson from the first book of Samuel, chapter 2, verses 18 through 20 and 26. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen linen ephod. His mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would, would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord repay you with children by this woman for the gift that she made to the Lord and then they would return to their home. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in statue and in favor with the Lord and with the people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. For as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Together let us say verses from Psalm 148 with the antiphon. Praise the Lord from the heavens, praise the Lord in the heights. Praise the Lord, all his angels, praise. Praise Praise the Lord, sun and moon, praise the Lord, all you shining stars, praise Praise the Lord, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord who commanded and they were created, who established them. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, whose name alone is exalted, whose glory is above earth and heaven. God has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his people, for the people of Israel who are near there. Now, beloved, let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel lesson, and the singing of the hymn. Of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. And when the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Please be seated. About 10 years ago, a friend of mine and I spent Saturday afternoons, winter and spring of 2006, visiting members of our wonderful church in Rochester, New York. Through that winter, he drove, and through that spring, I navigated. And through those months, we sipped Diet Dr. Pepper together. We traveled by way of a map. It's an old form of guidance and technology. You'll find it in the library. We went to call on church members who had not yet had the opportunity to make a pledge to our capital campaign. The building it supported was going up. The pledges were mostly in. But, as ever, we lacked a certain percentage, and the leaders of the church, the trustees and others, rightly wanted to see 100% completion and participation. And all manner of mailings, some emailings, pulpit appeals, and phone calling had been to no avail. So. In the cold of that midwinter, we went out into the eastern suburbs of Monroe County, New York, Pittsford, and Penfield, and Parenton, and elsewhere, to make some doorstep unannounced cold call home visits. One confesses that we did it with a bit of trepidation, not really knowing how we would be received, but... By grace, it was wonderful. It truly was a wonderful, warm, happy, lastingly joyful memory. I remember beautiful homes, young families, happy greetings, a real willingness to listen, and a desire to give. And after all, these who were mostly young families would, in the long run, most benefit from the investment other generations with them were making in their own future and in the future of their children. I also remember now and then asking my friend and driver Bob why some of these homes, so large and so lovely, apparently had, at least as far as I could see from the stoop, little or no furniture in them. And Bob could give the prices of the homes close to market, That's about one-third the cost, by the way, of homes in eastern New England. And that impressed me. But I still asked, where is the furniture? Well, he tried to explain, some of these families have probably, or it could be, taken out as much mortgage as they could, knowing, he raised his eyebrow at that gerund, knowing, knowing that the value would continue to go up and up and up. It was generally understood there and then and elsewhere to be the wise, the prudent thing to do, though, of course, as with all truth, that was a matter of interpretation, of interpretation. And they, he said, they will get the furniture next next year. The memories of that happy, set of hours some years ago, flooded in while we watched recently the film, as you may have seen it, The Big Short. The Big Short. For now I see. Now I see what I saw, but I had no full way to see what I saw or fully to interpret what I saw almost ten years ago. For how you see depends on how you interpret what you see. And just over the horizon from the winter of 2006, there was about to be a great collapse, as we all now know and ruefully remember. And we are still, to be frank, finding our interpretative way into understanding all that happened there and then. I can see now, pretty clearly, what Bob, I think, suspected, but he did not say. Our friends, especially our young friends, were truly very ready to give, but they had at that point no means to do so. Interpretation matters. Two days after Christmas and the feast of our Lord's birth, and one day after the feast of Stephen and remembrance of his death as the first Christian martyr, perhaps we could pause, step back, and look as We have now and then before at our mode of interpretation. We'll call it a New Year Outlook as we get ready for 2016. No, not of markets and economics today, but of truth, of faith, of gospel, of life. How do we interpret? We'll take a New Year Outlook As we pray together in the new year, those present in the congregation and chapel and those listening by radio and internet, both our actual and our virtual congregations, as we pray together, what will be our outlook? As Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, at least as Luke reports, what shall our own outlook toward wisdom be in 2016? To begin, your love for Christ shapes your love of Scripture. You love the Bible. You love its psalmic depths. Today's Psalm or Psalm 130 and others come to mind. You love its stories. The Bible's strange turns. Samuel, about whom we heard today, comes to mind. You love proverbial wisdom. One person sharpens another like iron sharpens iron comes to mind. You love the freedom in the Bible, the Bible's account, of the career of freedom, the exodus comes to mind. You love its memory of Jesus, his growing in stature today comes to mind. You love the Bible's honesty about history and religious life, Galatians comes to mind. You love its strangeness, the fourth gospel comes to mind. You love the Bible, you love it through and through, You rely on the Holy Scripture to learn to speak of faith as the grammar, syntax, and spelling of faith and as a medium of truth for the practice of faith. And as we gather today in worship, we share this reliance and this love. The fascinating multiplicity of hearings here and the interplay of congregations present, absent, near, far, known, unknown, religious, and unreligious have a common ground in the Scripture Today, a preacher, a preacher descending into her automobile in Boston after leading an earlier service listens to this service to hear the interpretation of the gospel. A homebound woman in Newton listens for the musical offering in, in today's duets and for the reading of Scripture. Perhaps on another side of the globe, a student listens in come Sunday out of a love of Christ that embraces a love of Scripture. And here in the chapel nave on the Lord's Day, young and old, scholars and teachers, students and others, have in common, by your love for Christ, a love for the scripture, too. The Bible, the B B I B L E. yes, that's the book for me. In this way, we may affirm all Mr. Wesley's motto, Homo unius libri, I am a person of one book. However, the Bible has a story, too, as James Sanders used to say. And at points, the Bible is errant, not inerrant, errant. It is theologically tempting for us to go on preaching as if the last 250 years of study just did not happen, but they did. That does not mean that we should deconstruct the Bible to avoid allowing the Bible to deconstruct us, or that we should study the Bible in order to avoid allowing the Bible to study us. In fact, after demythologizing the Bible, we may need to re-mythologize the Bible, too. It is the confidence born of obedience, not some certainty born of fear, that will open the Bible to us. We need not fear truth, however it may be known. So, Luke may not have had all his geographical details straight. So, John includes the woman caught in adultery, but not in its earliest manuscripts. Actually, she, poor woman, is found at the end of the Gospel of Luke in some texts. So, Paul did not write the document from the earlier 3rd century, 3rd Corinthians. The references to slavery in the New Testament are as errant and time-bound as are the references to women not speaking in church. The references to women not speaking in church are as errant and time-bound as the references to homosexuality. The references to homosexuality are as errant and time-bound as are the multiple lists of the twelve disciples. The various twelve listings, by the way, are as errant and time-bound as the variations between John and the other Gospels. This Marsh pulpit and others like it, are not within traditions which affirm the scripture as the sole source of religious authority. We do not live within a sola scriptura tradition here. We do not live within a sola scriptura tradition here. The Bible is primary, foundational, fundamental, basic, prototypical, but not exclusively authoritative. Today's passage from Luke 2 is an idealized memory of something that may or may not have happened exactly in the way it is accounted. As Raymond Brown would say, it is theologically true whether or not it is historically so. It looks back 60 years and more. Check your memory for 60 years ago and more. It is formed in the faith of the church to form the faith of the church. If I were teaching a Sunday school class this winter, I might buy the class a copy of Throckmorton's Gospel Parallels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, read them together. You love the tradition of the church as well. Though with a scornful wonder we see her sore oppressed, we've, we love the church. John Wesley loved the church's tradition too, as we do here, as you do. We love it enough to study it and to know it and to seek its truth. This is our set of stories. The central ecclesiastical tradition of his time, though, the tradition of apostolic succession, after close study he termed a fable. Likewise, we lovers of the church tradition will not be able to grasp for certainty always in it if that grasping dehumanizes others. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. For instance, the linkage of the gifts of heterosexuality and ministry, however traditional, falls below and falls before the gospel of grace and freedom. And especially in Methodism in 2016, the church's own tradition The very preaching of the gospel itself and the rendering of theological truth well before any moral or ethical or societal debate includes, must include, or it is not the gospel, the full affirmation of the full humanity of gay people. Tradition expands to make way for the gospel. And so over time, equality triumphs over exclusion. It is coming. It is coming. It is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. If I were convening a spring study, I would have the group reread Walter Wink's little old pamphlet, The Bible and Homosexuality, for some perspective on tradition, scripture, and change. You love the mind. You love reason. You love the prospect of learning. You love the life of the mind. You love the Lord with heart and soul and mind. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. You love the reason in the same way that Charles Darwin, a pretty good Anglican, loved the reason. You love its capacity to see things and so to allow us to grow in wisdom and stature as Jesus did in Luke chapter 2 today. The word of caution is in order. Reason alone, reason unfettered, can produce hatred and holocaust. Learning for its own sake, for its own sake to be learning, needs virtue and piety. Learning for its own sake needs virtue and piety. More than anything else, learning to last must finally be rooted Lastingly rooted in loving. Jesus grew in Luke 2. The more he learned, the more he taught. He embodies inquiry for us today. Inquiry. So, the universe is 15 billion years old. The Earth is 4.5 billion years old. 500 million years ago, multi-celled organisms appeared in the Cambrian explosion. 400 million years ago, plants sprouted. 370 million years ago, land animals emerged. 230 million years ago, dinosaurs appeared and disappeared 65 million years ago. 200,000 years ago, hominids arose. Every human being carries 60 new mutations out of 6 billion cells. Yes... Evolution through natural selection by random mutation is a reasonable hypothesis. I'll stop the list there. As Francis Collins and others, he, the father of the Human Genome Project, by the way, strikingly a person of faith, have taught us. I might have my fellowship group reread this new year his book, The Language of God. He can teach us to reason together. It is tempting to disjoin learning and vital piety, but it is not loving to disjoin learning and vital piety. They go together. The God of creation is the very God of redemption. Their disjunction may help us cling for a while to a kind of faux certainty, but their conjunction is the confidence born of obedience. God is loving us into love and freeing us into freedom. In the end, over time, falsehood has no defense, and truth needs none, and nothing human need be foreign to us. You love experience. The gift of experience in faith is the heart of your love of Christ, and you love Jesus Christ. Like Howard Thurman loved the mystical ranges of experience, you do too. Samuel, in looking forward, expects to learn from experience, and joyful experience at that. And in our experience, we know joy. Joy sometimes, out of the blue, seizes us. Joy grasps us when we are busy grasping at other things. Your love, and you love, what you are given morning and evening. That is, you love experience more than enough to examine your experience to think about it and to think through what you have seen and what you have done. And sometimes, even after a decade, looking into and upon a past experience, we can begin to see things for the first time. We can begin to see things better. Our failures teach us as individuals and as community We learn in our experience the happiness and the centrality of giving, for example. Yes, there is a year-end stewardship nudge here, one confesses. We learn also that, you know, you can sometimes do too much for people. That is part of the purpose of the limit in tithing. Yes, again, there is a year-end notion at play here as well. Beloved, you can trust your experience, That is part of the meaning of Christmas, of incarnation. You can receive, probe, consider, your own experience. From a friend this week came a gift that sings your love of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience rightly interpreted in the voice of one Cardinal John Francis Dearden, long ago of Detroit, but quoted in Pope Francis' very recent Christmas message. Dearden's prayer sings out the song of incarnate love, and his is our last word today as we take a New Year outlook and remember that interpretation matters, he wrote. Every now and then, it helps us to take a step back and to see things from a distance. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is also beyond our visions. In our lives, we manage to achieve only a small part of the marvelous plan that is God's work. Nothing that we do is complete, which is to say that the kingdom is greater than ourselves. No statement says everything that can be said. No prayer completely expresses the faith. No creed brings perfection. No pastoral visit solves every problem. No program fully accomplishes the mission of the church. No goal or purpose ever reaches completion. This is what it is about. We plant seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that others will watch over them. We lay the foundations of something that will develop. We add the yeast, which will multiply our possibilities. We cannot do everything, yet it is liberating to begin. This gives us the strength to do something and to do it well. It may remain incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way. It is an opportunity for the grace of God to enter and to do the rest. It may be that we will never see its completion, but that is the difference between the master and the laborer. And we are laborers, not master builders, servants, not the Messiah. We are prophets of a future that does not belong to us. Hear the gospel, you prophets of a future that does not belong to you. And happy Happy New Year.
1: be seated. O oh, come, all ye faithful. Come, ye thankful people, come. Come, ye disconsolate. Come, let us adore him. The beckoning words of these familiar hymns serve as our invitation to prayer. You are welcome to follow your tradition and stand, sit, or kneel at the altar Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. Everlasting Father, to you who was and is and evermore will be, we give praise and honor. Together we all, men and women, young and old, join your creation and praise you. We praise your holy name, Lord, for your name alone is exalted. Your glory is above heaven and earth. Giver God, we thank you for Emmanuel, the wonderful God who walked among us. Gracious God, we have sinned and you have forgiven us time after time. No matter how many times you you have never retracted the opportunity for redemption, we reflect on your graciousness, your mercy, and everything you have done for us. Thank you for the abundance of your steadfast love. And again, we confess our sins and humbly ask for your forgiveness. During this season, as a people of faith, we raise our voices singing, O come, let us adore him. Holy Spirit, cleanse our hearts so that we may put these words into action. Help us to adore you by approaching others with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Help us to adore you by letting go of our grievances and forgiving each other, just as you have forgiven us. Help us to adore you by letting your peace rule in our hearts. Help us to adore you by being thankful. And above all, we pray that as your chosen ones, we will accept this responsibility to adore you by loving each other. We pray for those who are listening to to us via radio, internet, or podcast. We thank you for this opportunity to extend our congregation to these worshipers. Faithful God, abide with us. Comfort the sick the dying, and those who mourn. We pray for those in need. Grant peace to those in violent homes and communities. We pray for the the heads of these households and the leaders of these communities. Mighty God, give them the courage and compassion to end this violence and make peace. Bless our nation and its leaders as they struggle with the challenges we all face. Counselor God, you taught us to pray, and you told us to ask, to seek and to knock, to pray persistently so that we will hear your voice and recognize it when you answer. We raise these concerns to you in the name of the Prince of Peace and pray together as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.
0: as is our custom this day, we pause to invite you to make use of the rituals of friendship, the red pads that are found at the uh, aisle side of the pew. And if you will share them, we'll be able to greet one another by name following the service. We draw your attention to the notices printed in your bulletin. And as is our habit on this Sunday of each year, we invite you where you have suggestions for continuous improvement in the ministry of Marsh Chapel, Please identify them either by placing them in the collection plate this Sunday or next or by sending a note or email to the chapel office and we will honor and consider them in the, ad- in the coming new year and our ministry together. Now as the ushers wait upon us and our musicians minister to us, let us provide our offering for God and neighbor. for us, for the life within us, for the fellowship among us, for thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. song of the angels is stilled and the star in the sky is gone and the kings and princes are home and the shepherds are back with their flocks. Then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nation, to bring peace among people to make music in the heart. Amen.